everybody, and welcome back to episode two of I Play 2. I'm Rob Adler, and this week, our guest is figure skater Danielle Logano. And if you are familiar with the last name, that's because she is the sister of Joey Logano, the NASCAR driver. And Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be a part of your show. I know you live near Charlotte, and Charlotte isn't a traditional figure skating market compared to, let's say, Minneapolis or Cleveland or something like that. How did you end up in Charlotte? Well, as you all know, Charlotte is NASCAR City. We grew up in Middletown, Connecticut. Because of my brother, everyone's starting to notice this talent that he had. And in order to pursue it, we had to move the family. You know, we were fortunate that my father had a garbage company that he ran up in Connecticut and he sold that out. So we were able to make this big move down here. This is why we are in Charlotte and we're trying to grow the skating in this area. It was worth moving down for sure. In terms of your career, how did moving to Charlotte impact you? So while it was good for Joey and his burgeoning career, accessibility to possibly rinks and coaching and things like that may not have totally been there. How were you able to go about getting what you needed to become successful? So it was interesting. We moved to Atlanta first, actually, because there wasn't a training facility in Charlotte at that current time. The family was, it started to be split, right? Because Joey would travel with my father on the weekends to the races. And then my mom would travel with me with competitions. And it just started to get hard on the family. We looked into skating rinks in Charlotte and my dad was open to finding a new business to get into. We went to an ice rink here in Pineville, you know, you never know who you're going to run into. And we met some people that were interested and started talking about building an ice rink. And it happened to be that my dad, Tom, was just there at the right time. It's like, you know, maybe this is something that you know, would be worth looking into. Well, two years after that, now we own and run Extreme Ice Center in Indian Trail, North Carolina. And I wasn't at the point where I wanted to work there. Like I still wanted to pursue my skating career and coaching and stuff like that. So ironically, a show producer wanted to come and host auditions out of our rank. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know there were like ice shows all around the world, except for Disney and ice. And it was for a show taking place at the Carowinds theme park, literally 20 minutes from our facility. So I auditioned, got the job at 18 years old. And I did that professional show life for three years in Charlotte and then continued to grow it. The rink building it actually got me involved to do professional ice shows. It's just helped open up a lot of opportunities. So that's how I got into my career here, moving to Charlotte from the competitive world to the show world. In terms of the show world, you mentioned, you know, that you started traveling for it. What's the travel schedule like and how demanding is it? So the traveling, it depends what shows you would do. And I would only commit to the ones that were no longer than two to three months, more of the holiday shows, because I still wanted to be a part of coaching at Extreme Ice and a part of it. I just wasn't on the management side and ownership side. I am now, right? I wasn't, I was still young. I still wanted to do me, right? And my big thing, like, being in the spotlight of my brother and having your father, the owner of the ice rink, I wanted to build something from my own. I didn't ever want to be like, you have the rink because your father or, you know, so that was a big thing I always wanted to keep. Yeah, I did shows at SeaWorld 
did three years there. So three months at a time, I would just say, okay, I'm leaving everybody. I'm doing me. How did that leaving and travel help you build your own identity and your own brand? It made me work harder. I was able to prove myself, right? Like I I proved myself to the point where I was able to start my own company and build something for me. Fast forward a few years down the road, you know, I started my own business with Logano Power Skating. And that's a whole different chapter of my life that I directed to. And then same thing with the shows. Now I'm on the production side of things. We'll get back to the power skating a little bit later. With SeaWorld, what was it like being a participant as opposed to most people who go and see and watch everybody do things? I love performing. I think that's just like my creativity side coming out. I always enjoy performing for an audience. It pulls a whole different side out of me that people don't see. I'm a completely different person when you have me in front of an audience on the ice. But if I have to speak in front of people, I'm uh -uh, not my thing. But I don't know. It's just something that I love to do. I didn't really enjoy the competitive world. I feel like, you know, I would do good on practice ice and then I go out there to compete and I just blow it. So I think it was like the pressure. I'm bringing people joy around the holidays. To me, if you can do something that you enjoy and help others, keep doing it. When you were performing at Sea World, like a specific memory that you look back on and you just kind of smile and you say, yeah, you know what? That was definitely fun. Every show I did, every show I did, just that the bow line and seeing everybody and clapping, like the venue was absolutely beautiful. It was like this huge venue outside with the beautiful lake behind you and you're skating outside to the Christmas spirit. And every show is just like, wow, just like, this is why I do this. You make so many great connections and the friendships that I've made through this, I still have, you know, 10 years later. And Now it's awesome because 10 years later, you know, I'm on this production side and everyone's coming together and everyone wants to be involved. And so it was the best thing that I could ever have done. Like I didn't go to college, so I didn't get that college life. Show life was more of my college side, bringing my side out of me that I didn't share anywhere else. In a way, it's similar to a fraternity or sorority where there are things you experience with them that you don't experience, that you can't experience or get that experience anywhere else. No, you're dead on. I mean, you can be yourself. You don't have to hide who you are. You're doing what you love to do. So I think it's so important if you can still do it. doesn't matter how old you are. I mean, if you still got it, then do it because life is too short. Taking a, a, a step back and going back to being in Connecticut for a moment, how did you get interested in, in skating? That's a funny story. So nobody in my family skates. Nobody in my family races cars. So <laughs> the funny thing about how this all happened, how we chose our sports, it's just so random. My mom was actually taking learn to skate classes. The last one, I would go and watch her in the stands and she fell and hit her head and they took her to the hospital and she had a concussion. And she's like, okay, I don't think this is for me anymore. You know, she always taught me like, you don't give up. She goes, I'm going to go back and finish my last class, but then I'm done with this. And I was like, you know, I might want to try this. And I was six years old and she took me skating and here we are. We're still going. Kind of talk about how the enjoyment grew and what the commitment was like in terms of training sessions and things like that. 
I mean, you know, with any sport, if you want to get somewhere and even in life in general, you got to put the work in, right? And you have to want to do it. The great thing was I've never been pushed by my parents to do it. It's always been me pushing myself, you know, it was five days a week. And being a parent now to two young children, I look at my parents, dang, you did so much for us. My mom would drive me to the rink in Simsbury from Middletown. You know, you've been there 45 minutes after we went to school. We, you know, I put in two and a half hours there. Then we moved to Atlanta. I was doing the freestyle and then I tested out to my senior and I got interested into doing ice dance. You know, we flew somebody in from Ukraine. I had a partner. We went through there. Like it's a lot of commitment, dedication. When we moved down south, it was hard to get into a school because there was a waiting list. And a big thing with that was, okay, we might have to direct our attention to homeschool because how are we going to get somewhere in our career with the limited time? And, you know, homeschool wasn't big back then. We did online schooling. So we would do our schooling in the morning, go to the rank for two hours, come back home, do more schooling, go back for another two hours. You know, then you have your office, your ballet and, and on and on and on. For people like me and many of the listeners, can you talk about the difference between ice dance and figure skating? Because they're two separate events. The figure skating freestyle event is when you're solo and you're out there performing jumps, spins, footwork. Pairs is when you have a partner that lifts you above your shoulders. Ice dance is more like dancing on ice and the guy can only lift you below the shoulders. In terms of making the transition from pairs to ice dance, was it much of an adjustment? I went towards ice dance because I'm tall (laughs) and I could not do pairs. I'm too tall. No one could lift me above their heads. And then I had hip issues. I've had two hip surgeries. So ice dance was a little bit better on my body. Let's put it that way. (laughs) But it was more like performance wise. And it was nice to have a partner to do it with. I love the speed of skating and the edge quality. So I really attached more to ice dance. I feel like, hey, I succeeded where I succeeded with the freestyle. My goal was to test out to senior. And then I was like, I'm not going to the Olympics in this. What's the next opportunity I have? You mentioned that you flew somebody in from the Ukraine. Who was that? How long were you with that person? You still maintain a relationship today? I was 17. And he was five years older than me. He was looking for a partner. There was like this site. I can't remember. It's been so long ago. But like, that's how you would find dance partners or pair partners. It was such a process. And, you know, it was hard to find like a guy taller than me. So we connected and we moved him out here. He lived in our basement and we skated well together. Everything was there, but the relationship in communication was hard because he didn't really speak English and I didn't speak his language. So it started to end up to not be fun anymore. And it's hard, you know, like when you have a partner and you're young and you're skating and literally doing everything together and then living together, right? It takes a toll. I just lost my love. And I actually told my parents, I said, I I feel bad because you've done all of this. He doesn't like it here because he just wanted to go back home in his environment. I didn't enjoy it. So from there, that's when I was like, okay, I think I'm going to hang him up and go towards coaching. And that's when we were moving to Charlotte anyway. So that's why it was ironic 
when they had the professional show audition out of our ring. The shows are great because they love having tall women. So I was like, oh, this is my, this is my gig right here. I got to continue this. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I mean, I don't regret it. It was good at the time and it helped me learn a lot going forward, but you know, it just didn't work out for me and it's okay. I mean, I tried it. At least I can say I did it. With the language barrier being mm -hmm. difficult, did you have a translator or how did you communicate? Did it end up being something like hand signals? Pretty much. It was more typing on the computer if there needed to be a complete conversation. You know, technology wasn't like it is today, right? So we didn't have like the cell phones to translate. It was very like the coach would just have to demonstrate more. So, I mean, you got to find that being frustrating on his end too. You two as a pair on, on the ice, if there was any kind of, whether it was a hand gesture, a head nod, you know, something you were communicating while you were out on the ice, if you, you know, since you couldn't speak the same language. Well, you would know if he was disappointed. <laughs> he would show in that way. Communication is so important in anything. If you can't have that, like, it's just hard to pursue it. It, it was hard and it, you know, he, he went back home and we parted our ways. Ten years later, he reached out and he apologized. It's like you're young. You don't know. It's like having a pair partner is like having a relationship when you're training that much together. You know, and that's why you see a lot of these teams that are together. They've been together for years. So that's part of life. It tested me at a young age. I wasn't ready for it. And sometimes, you know, we find out, hey, you know what? We got to do something else. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you got to try things. It doesn't mean it's always going to succeed, but at least you can walk away and be like, okay, add that to my list. Don't do that again. One other question that I want to ask about, because I know many figure skaters do this. Matter of fact, I think almost all of them that I've ever spoken to have done this. With ballet, What's the importance of the ballet training, especially in terms of transitioning to the ice? Ballet is so important for posture. It helps with your alignment, being aware of your body. I mean, when I first started skating, my posture was so bad. And me being tall, it just stood out more than ever. And I was told by Nina Petrako that I had the worst posture ever. And I've been told not from her, but from, you know, coaches, like, I'm never going to make it in anything. I don't know where you're going to make it. You're shy. Your posture's bad. And so I put the work in. I did not enjoy ballet, but I did ballet three days a week for an hour. And it helped me so much. And now I am like, I make sure I walk with my shoulders back. You better believe. <laughs> Once you started getting into figure skating and ice dance, who were some of the people that you idolized that you enjoyed watching on the ice? I was a big fan of Kurt Browning because I thought he just brought so much entertainment to the ice. I enjoyed Paul Wiley, and it's so funny because I idolized him. And then he actually moved to Charlotte and was working in our facility. And we've done shows together and it was awesome. Just like people that you idolize growing up and then being able to skate with them. is just amazing and making those relationships. But yeah, I would say those were my big two. You mentioned Paul Wiley living in Charlotte and getting the experience to skate with him. What is your favorite memory of that time period while he was there and you got to you know skate with him and meet him and talk to him? You know, you never know who somebody is until you actually meet them off the camera. And he is such a personal guy. 
And he was always such a fan of whatever I ended up doing with my life. Always made me feel I was doing the right thing and proud of me. And it's kind of cool to see somebody that you always looked up to be like, go pursue your dreams. That's awesome. We did a lot of things together. We, uh, you know, even did the awards for this little Special Olympic competition that we hold at our rink every year. And it was just like so nice to see him be a part of even our little events here. But I also had him host one of the shows we did here at our rink. And he is just, he just wings it. I love him. He's great. He's real. And um, I really respect that when you meet famous people like that, because most don't give you the time of day. So when people do, it really sticks with you for the rest of your life. Your brother, Joey, spent some time on the ice and played a little hockey before getting into his motorsports career. I got to ask you as kids, who's the better skater? Oh my gosh. Well, you know the answer to this one. Come on. <laughs> That's like if you asked who's the better NASCAR driver, I could not say me. So he started playing and then he didn't like to get into the game. So then he's like, I want to be a goalie. And then he was afraid of the puck. Now, if he heard this, he'd be like, no, I wasn't. <laughs> and to this day, he thinks that he's better than everything. But hey, whatever. <laughs> You're moving to Atlanta and then to Charlotte. In terms of making contacts, how many doors did those open up for you? I would say a lot. My thing in life is always make connections with people because you never know when you may connect with them down the road. A lot of these skaters I don't talk to on a day-to-day -day basis. And now getting involved with the producing side of things, I can go talk to the other producers that I worked for. And I, I just, it's nice to be able to share ideas that I have and have somebody give me, you know, help give me advice to build it. So it's open a lot of doors. I got into the power skating side was just meeting somebody at the rink and, and uh, Bob Helkitas got me mentioned about getting into that. It's all who you know. And I think it's always good to start conversations with people because you never know where that's going to lead you in life. How did you, I guess, take that contact and develop wanting to get into the power skating coaching side and then making those connections and whether it's hockey players or future figure skaters on that side? Bob Halkidis lived here and we hired him as the hockey director, former NHL player. We were just getting the rink going. So he helped a lot with like, you know, the building process and we would build the hockey nets together. And the conversations that we started, we just started to build this relationship. And he was like, Danielle, you've been skating your whole life. You know what hockey really needs? They need somebody to focus on edge work for hockey players because the whole game is skating, but nobody focuses on it. And so I was like, oh, interesting, but I don't play hockey. And he goes, listen, get some hockey skates. We're going to gear you up. I'm going to give you lessons and just get used to it because I'm telling you like this can go into something. I'm like, oh God, this should be funny. So here I come out in hockey skates, you know, they got no toe pick. So I thought I was just going to go face plant. I feel when you coach power skating for hockey players, you have to wear hockey skates to relate to a player skating because there is no comparison between a figure skate and a hockey blade. So I began to 
have some lessons with him. And then I would go out there on myself, like, you know, an hour a day. And I would practice on hockey skates to see, oh, this is how I can teach, you know, a crossover to get more speed out or a stride extend through your toe. And I started to build this. I went to a team, a local team here, youth kids. And I was like, hey, I went to the coach. I said, can you let me like try to go out there and do maybe just a 15 minute power skating class? And they're like, yeah, go ahead. So I started and I just kept building it and doing private lessons and working with local teams. You know, I got asked to be the power skating coach for a junior team that was local in our rank, which then led me to go out to California and work with three NHL players. And then it's just pursuit. I started to make my, you know, my own business out of it. I just continued to grow it. This year, I got hired as the power skating coach for Hunter Bishop's pro camp in July, July 10th through 14th in Charleston. And then I started one of my own Charlotte Edge that I do based out of Extreme Eye Center in Charlotte. It's a niche that I love and I can't explain it when I get out there. Again, I'm a different person. I got to flip the switch because I'm working with grown men. I'm not working with figure skaters. So I can't be like, oh, you know, all ballerina, Danielle. I have to be more more of a, a man out there for them to respect me. The pro development camp. It's July 10th through 14th in Charleston, South Carolina. It's by invite only. So if anyone has questions about it, the email that you can reach out to is camps at hunterbishophockey.com. Once again, the email camps at hunterbishophockey.com. Danielle will be there and will be the power skating instructor. If you're interested, check it out. Also, I have a question because you mentioned it in your answer What's the difference, without getting too technical if possible, between a hockey skate and a figure skate blade? So a hockey skate is mainly just a rocker. So there's no toe pick. You're more balanced on the ball of the blade. A figure skate has the toe pick. So if you lean too much forward, you're going to hit your toe pick, right? Like you still have a rocker, but your weight shift is completely different. So you can't really push all the way through your toe when you figure skate because you're going to keep digging into the ice. With hockey, you can fully extend through your toe. And that's what I mainly specialize in with the players is working on their stride because it's a lot of extensions and they're just used to, let's just go fast and run. So I try to elongate every push that they do and try to show them where they can add speed, how they can get out of the turn faster. I absolutely love it. And it's cool when you work with these guys at the high level and they're curious and they want to know more because it's not like figure skating. You start at a young age, you're learning every technique. With hockey, you start at a young age, you're just learning the game. Go after the puck. So I come in and I'm opening up a new view to the sport that they're curious about, which is super cool. And I think that's why I love it so much. It reminds me of uh, Barb Underhill. Well, she made it bigger in the figure skating world, but she was like the first one, I'm pretty sure, that was signed to an NHL team. And that's somebody that I've looked up to when I first started this. Because I was like, wow, this is awesome. Like, girl power. Do you ever run into any pushback with, you're a woman, I'm not going to listen to you? Do you ever get that from any of those players? 
that is what I'm always afraid of when I first go into something because you don't know how that reaction is going to be. But knock on wood, I have never had that happen before because when I go in there, I start it and I'm sure of what I'm coaching. So I think they respect me more also because I'm in hockey skates. I'm not out there in figure skates. So like I'm trying to relate to them as much as I can. I worked with one team, an SPHL team, and I went out there. At first, you could just tell, oh, what did you hire? Like, what is this? And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to have it. You know what I mean? And it's like, you have to just flip the switch. And then by the end, they were like, oh, damn, you really worked me hard. It's not a game when I go out there. Luckily, I, I have great respect in the sport. And I think it's cool that hockey and all sports now are starting to involve more women. A whole new world we're living in. Who are the three uh, NHL players that you that you worked with? I worked with Kevin Miller, Shane Harper, Kendall Coy. She played for a USA team. Worked with Nick Paul, who's currently playing for Tampa. Yeah, as a Toronto Maple Leaf fan, Nick Paul's kind of, uh, his name is mud right now. Nick Paul scored a couple of big goals now. I for know. It. I was like, oh, that's probably awkward. Great guy, uh, though. Great guy. What is the feedback that you get from them? Like, what do they tell you afterwards? Have you heard of Eric Nystrom? Of course. Okay, so I also worked with him. I forgot to add him to the list. He was probably the one that was the hardest to, like, respect me at first. And he was getting so mad, yelling the F-bomb the whole lesson. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what is this? And then it turned out to be, at the end, he was, I'm just frustrated because I can't do it. And it's literally something so simple and I can't do it. And it pisses me off. And it was so funny to me because sometimes I'm like, are you mad at me? But they get so frustrated, these big guys, because you're challenging them in a way that they're not used to being challenged. And you're bringing it, the skating back to a basic level, picking at every technical, you know, situation that they get frustrated that they can't do it. So it's cool that they'll come to me and they're like, I'm mad. I can't do it. How can I fix this? And then always after a session, they'll find me and be like, what exercises can I do to improve? What can you re-explain? And to me, that's when I'm like, that's awesome. I'm doing my job. This is what I want. Did he reach out to you afterwards and say, you know what, this is how you help my game? He did it. But Kevin Miller did, and that was pretty cool. You can reach out anytime and they will respond, which is so awesome. It's like, you know, it's hard with these guys because it's not like a consistent thing. It's like a week here or a few days there. I don't live in California. I would have to move to California. So it's either they come out to me or, or I work with them for a camp. You know, the camp in July in Charleston, I'm able to bring my whole family, which is awesome. But I mean, if there's opportunities where I can just go for a few days, I can do that. I just can't, I can't do shows for three months anymore and stuff like that. Those days are over. Being a mom, how hard is it to manage your schedule of coaching, working with the rink, producing shows, and being a mom? The hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. <laughs> no one ever told me that being a mom would be the hardest job. It is the most rewarding job. 
but it's so, so hard. And I have this struggle every day because I have so many things that I want to do. And when I start something, I want to put my 100% in, but I can't get to these things as fast as I'm used to because the baby will start crying or the two-year-old needs me. And I'm like, sorry, guys, I'll be back because at the end of the day, they come first. But boy, I sign myself up for everything. I come up with these ideas. I'm like, okay, we're doing this at this. And I go, when am I going to find the time? Like, when am I going to sleep? Thank God for coffee. <laughs> so how often are you able to get to the rink? Are you able to do it every day or is it a couple times a week? Like, how does that work? So I'm very fortunate that I can work from my phone most of the time. And I've hired, you know, good people where I can delegate work to. I have my eight month old baby in the, in the office next to me. And I called my employee upstairs to be like, hey, she may wake up from her nap. Can you check on her? Um, I'm just so lucky that I have amazing people around me that are so willing to help to make sure that I have that time. Um, but I try to, you know, find two to three hours in my day to dedicate to whatever I need to dedicate to. I get a lot of my work done either early morning or after I put the kids down around eight and I'll work until 11 or whenever I need to. And you got to make it happen, right? I mean, this is life now. I love it, but it definitely adds more you know, more of a challenge because I don't have those eight hours a day to focus on something that I need to have done in a short amount of time. My new chapter, and I can't complain, I'm loving it. And I think it's important to have your kids see you work, you know, and create and bring them to work with me. And my son will drive his mini Zamboni around the ice rink. I got him working here. <laughs> I love that. You don't need a Zamboni driver. You have one. That's right. How hard was it after you had your first child to get back on the ice, you know, just to get back in the swing of things? If you know me, I don't sit down. I had my Charlotte Edge Pro Camp scheduled four weeks after I delivered. <laughs> and my husband was like, Danielle, let's get real. You need to cancel this. I was like, no, I'll be fine. I did the camp four weeks after this past year, I had my second child and I produced a show and I literally went out there and skated. I did a fire act and put together a show four months after I was like, nothing's stopping me. I'm not going to be that mom where I'm like, now I'm a mom. I need to hang them up. I, I can't be creative. I can't do what I love. I feel like it's so important as a parent to continue to do what you love so you don't lose you. You're doing what you love while you're raising the children you love. While you were pregnant, what kind of training could you do to stay in shape so that way you could get back on the ice so quickly? I did a lot of Pilates and yoga and I walked every day. I just, you know, I'm an active person, so I just kept on moving. But boy, did I feel big when I was pregnant. I was like, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to perform again? How am I going to get into a unitar? I lucked out. This is when the height comes in handy. Being only 5'3", I have no idea about height. <laughs> Shoot, come on now. You're only 5'3". My goal in life was to be 5'8". I never made it. Oh my gosh. And I, I always wish that I would shrink. <laughs> You said something about a fire act, and I actually did watch a, 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 a short YouTube clip that had that. How does one practice that? 
So I did a show and I got dropped. I had two hip surgeries and I was like, well, shoot, can't jump anymore for shows. So what can I bring to a show that I can still get hired. So I went on YouTube and looked up like specialty acts. And I said, oh, playing with fire looks fun. Let's learn. And I bought the fire fans and I literally taught myself how to play with fire in my backyard. It's so much fun. It's a whole different world playing with fire. So that's something I still do too. I'm like, throw it on me. Let's try. Has there ever been a situation where there's ever been an issue with it? Yes, I did an exhibition and I was twirling the fire and all of a sudden you hear the audience go, you're on fire, you're on fire. And I could see myself in the reflection and I saw fire like shooting off of my pants. And I was like, oh gosh, stop, drop and roll. <laughs> I just slapped it and I was lucky that it like went out. But that was the scariest thing I've had. I and it, it didn't leave a mark or anything. I think, you know, sometimes people are like, have you ever caught in your hair on fire? I put water in it. You have to make sure it's up and everything like that. I make sure I'm safe when I do it. But I tell you what, my mom freaks out every time. She's like, do you have to do this? You're going to light yourself on fire. Yes, I have to do this. It's fun. I'll be fine. <laughs> I was like, you're worried about me playing with fire. And then you got like your son driving cars at 200 and something miles per hour. You mentioned uh, a couple of times that you had two hip surgeries. Hip injuries are very prominent both in figure skating as well as in hockey. What was the recovery like? The first go around when I was dropped, I had a torn labrum and it was during a show and I had to keep going. I literally crawled off the ice and went back out there somehow, right? Mind over matter. But I had the surgery done here in Charlotte Two months after, I was like, I'm in more pain than I've ever been. And this was supposed to be like a small surgery, even though you're still messing with like a big joint. Long story short, they messed up. So they shaved too much and I was bone on bone. So I went out to Vail, Colorado, and that is a huge place where they work on a lot of athletes. It was pretty cool because there were a lot of hockey and figure skaters out there. Cool connections made, right? But Dr. Philip Hahn, Thank God for him. I thought my skating career was over when this happened because I had to get a whole hip repairment to my labrum. They literally are no joke out there. You wake up from surgery and they go, okay, you'll be hopping on a bike in 30 minutes. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Yep. They get you on a bike. I mean, I only pedaled one time, which took me like an hour to get around the whole way, but um, they don't mess around with the athletes and they make sure that you start moving. It took me about six months to recover fully. And it was a slow recovery. You know, I feel like if you hold yourself a goal, you'll recover faster. It's easily to get in your head and be like, I'm done. If you remove that, you can, you can overcome. In terms of the, like the rehab process, what were some of like the exercises, stretches, things like that, that you had to do that, to kind of recondition your hip? I went to physical therapy. They would put me on the bike. A lot of, um, and I don't know the names of this, right? Try to do hip rotation exercises, just easy stretches, like moving your your knee in and out while you're lying down. It is the most painful thing I've ever been through. You can't mess around with hips or backs and stuff. Like you really can't mess around with anything. So important that you find the right doctor and it was totally worth 
flying out to where I did because I could have been done. To this day, you wouldn't even know that I have any hip problems. I just try to, you know, continue to exercise and just keep building, you know, making sure the muscle's strong so I don't go backwards. And I think so skating helps it. With overcoming the injury, like the first time you went on the ice, how hard, not from a physical point of view, but from a mental side, was that first time you went back out on the ice? It was interesting. Let's put it that way, because I was scared to even stroke, you know, because you're like, oh my gosh, it's going to catch. Oh, it's going to hurt so bad. And so I literally had to start at a slow pace, just doing basic stroking and crossovers and just to kind of like get comfortable again. I mean, that took a good two months, you know, just to do that trying to keep my mental right and day by day. When communicating to players and figure skaters, how do you help them mentally get through an injury? I am a coach who likes to build a relationship with my students so they feel comfortable to share where their mind is at. If they are coming out of a injury or not knowing where to go in the direction of their sport, I just try to give them positive feedback. And I'm like, you got this. Don't give up. I'm always here to support you. Like, don't feel like you have to hold anything in. I'm here to listen and help you. It's super cool because, you know, when I worked with the junior team, I connected with a lot of these players that opened up with their personal life and nobody ever even knew. And to this day, they still reach out to me and fill me in about where they are in their life and where they are in hockey. And, you know, some made it, some didn't, but it's super cool to have that relationship and hear how good that they're doing. To me, it just reminds me that I did my job and this is like what I'm here for. I've taken all my life lessons that I've learned. And now that I can share it and help others makes me so happy. And I, I think that's why I just love what I do so much because I just love being there for people because I wish I had someone there for me when I was in it. As a coach, what is the best advice that you can give to somebody else who is aspiring to be a coach? I would say, don't try to be somebody else. Use your values and what you believe in and bring that to your coaching side, because there's a reason why you want to be a coach. And there's a reason why you want to share what you've learned. And I think that's going to help somebody. A coach shouldn't be a robot to you and just be like, okay, where's my paycheck? You're paying a coach not just to learn, but an athlete puts so much dedication and time into their sport. And to me as a coach, it's just not a paycheck. It's it's more to it. And I think, you know, you have coaches that don't see it that way and just want to go in and, and keep it to the point and leave. I don't agree with it, but that's my opinion. And that's my advice. For Parents, what tips do you have for them? How to get their kids started, what to look for, what any maybe potential pitfalls could arise? I think it's great to introduce as much as you can to your child. And just because you may want them to do something doesn't mean that they have to do it. Put it out there and see what they like, right? And if they connect to something, then pursue it. 
Danielle, I want to thank you for uh, joining us today on I Played 2. I want to remind everybody that she's going to be at a uh, pro development camp with Hunter Bishop. Information on that, please email camp at hunterbishophockey.com. And Danielle, once again, why don't you tell us just a little bit more about the camp? The camp is going to be five days, which includes on ice power skating, on ice skills, off ice. I think golf is mixed in there. It's going to be an amazing training camp with quality coaches and staff. What better location to have it in Charleston on the beach? Sounds like fun, folks. That's July 10th through 14th. You have somebody who wants to go, make sure you go and get there and meet Danielle. Thank you so much for your time. It was great having you and look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Rob. It was a pleasure chatting with you also. Take care.